I think in the alternative health world, there are so many of us that get caught up in testing and supplements that we miss the point of the body's innate ability to heal. Today's guests and I are going to dive into this topic and so much more. So stay tuned. Welcome back. My name is Sarah. This is the Sarah Kleiner Wellness YouTube channel. And today I have on Melissa from RMDY. We are going to talk all about how we make our body more robust and just breaking this model that we have around health. We're going to talk about homeopathy and I've had other homeopathy podcasts before, but we're going to talk more about the history of homeopathy, how it actually used to be an acceptive form of medical care and how that's changed to our detriment. There's so much wonderful information in this podcast. And Melissa has amazing courses for the everyday person as well as practitioners. I'm going to link those in the show notes for you. And you can use my code Sarah10 to save 10% on any of her courses, which I am definitely going to be taking in the near future for sure. Because I think a lot of us need to be more intelligent around how we look at the body and how we heal the body. So make sure to check those out. And before we jump into this episode, I want to thank a couple sponsors. The first one is going to be Viva Rays. They are my go-to source for protecting my circadian rhythms. Use my code YOGI. Save on their glasses as well as their eye masks, earplugs, and low EMF headphones. Great for listening to podcasts like this one on And then the second sponsor is going to be Upgraded Formulas. You can use my code YOGI12 or YOGI to save on their hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation for understanding the mineral balance in your body. Always better to test instead of guess. Thank you again for listening to today's show or watching. Make sure to give us a like, leave a comment, and share this episode with a friend or family member, especially if they are interested in this topic. All right, let's jump into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited about today's guest because I've been just watching all of her videos on Instagram and she just has some really beautiful, amazing content all about homeopathy. So welcome, Melissa, to the show. Thank you so much. So, so happy to join you here. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I've just been enjoying your content so much, but I'd love to know before we dive into that, like what got you interested in homeopathy? How did you get started? Sure. So, okay. Bit of a story there. I was studying at college to be a naturopath. So I'm two years into my degree, loving it. I just always loved that sort of holistic model, but I also did love, you know, learning about disease and, you know, health problems. I always found that really fascinating. So my dad's a doctor, my mom's a hippie. I sort of said, well, it's just natural. I'm just converging in the middle. So I was two years into that, but my sister, who's one year younger than me, so she's 12 months younger, we're almost like twins really grown up that that close. Oh, yeah. She had chronic UTIs, so the urinary tract infections that would get into her blood. So it would start off as a UTI, but then, you know, she's in hospital for weeks at a time. She's on an IV antibiotic mm-hmm. drip, got an oxygen mask on. It went really bad each time. And so she started that from when we were 16 until our early 20s. She's in and out of hospital, you know, so bad around school. And it got to the point there at 21 where the doctor said, look, the only way we can go forward is you need to be on prophylactic antibiotics every day for the rest of your life. 
You can't be having sex because that's what triggers it. Um, And that's really all they could do for her. So obviously dad had gotten her the best medical treatment in Australia, the best uh, doctors on her case. They had a file on her this thick and they said, we just do not know what your body is doing. Every infection is a different bacteria. There is no rhyme or Mm. reason And this just happens with some people's bodies. You know, they oftentimes, these doctors, when they don't know, they chalk it up to, it's just a mystery. But, you know, so many cases that they see, they chalk it up to, oh, we we just don't know what your body's doing. It's just dysfunctional. So that was where her case got left. And then mum and I, you know, obviously being in naturopathics, we had tried what we think was everything, acupuncture, the herbs. She'd quit her job. She worked in real estate. She could no longer work because her bladder was incontinent by this point. Mm -hmm. So every 20 minutes she had to, had to go to the toilet. So it just was not conducive with working. And um, I used to have this lecturer at uni and he used to say to me, oh, you'd love homeopathy, you know, and I was never heard of homeopathy. So I was not interested at all. And um, he said it every now and then. And one day he said it when she was in hospital and I was like, right, that's it. If you can cure my sister's chronic condition, then I'll just change my degree next week. And he said, right, well, when can she meet with me? And I said, well, okay, we'll meet you next week in the coffee shop near our uni. And for 90 minutes, he took her case and he wanted to know everything about her. He wanted to know what it was like growing up, her personality, what's the most difficult thing she's ever been through. Like he was very interested in her mental and emotional stresses, as well as the physical presentations of the bladder infections, the urinary tract, all of that. And at the end of that, he prescribed her a homeopathic remedy, which came in a little amber bottle with this drops. And he said, okay, I need you to take this every morning and every night for the next couple of months. Check in with me after that. And so, you know, when new to homeopathy, we're like, okay, drops under the tongue, radio, go home. She starts taking them morning and night. And within two days, she says to me, I don't know what's happening. I've got all of these discharges coming out. And um, I still remember specifically, she'd gone for a walk around our neighborhood. She came back two hours later and she's like, you will not believe it. I didn't go to the toilet once while I was walking, which for her was massive. And long story short, her body completely changed. She was no longer susceptible to that loop of the urinary tract infections. She's now got two kids, happy, healthy. And it's like it completely recalibrated her energetic field. And what we found at the end of it was really that it was emotionally rooted. Like so many people's disease states are. Sex is obviously a very vulnerable act. You find with a lot of women, if there's any history of trauma in, you know, or resentment when having sex, you know, so whether it's been, say, somebody who's abused when they're younger. For my sister, it was more just a dodgy first boyfriend. And when you're having sex with someone, you know, it's your body, if it's saying no, it's going to say no. And energetically, Mm. a lot in that area tends to happen. And I know through my cases, Uh, 100%. There is a correlation. Anybody who gets chronic UTIs as an adult, this ongoing issue, there is some level of the body trying to say no for whatever reason. And that's what got me into it. And so obviously I did change my degree, like I said I would. And it was then that I found the history of homeopathy is so rich. I thought, how have I never heard of it across the US? You had 100 homeopathic hospitals at the 1900s that century turnover, you had a hundred homeopathic hospitals, yet I'd never heard of it. And I was at a college of natural medicine. I thought, what? So yeah, since then, just looking at the science behind it, the number of medical doctors who use homeopathy, it really blew my mind. 
It's so fascinating that, and I feel like it's one of those hidden things now that people, they just don't even really talk about anymore. You've got functional medicine, which is, I feel, I mean, I don't want to, you know, upset anyone, but I kind of feel it's in the suppressive nature, kind of like allopathic medicine. It's, it's gotten to be that way where we just run labs and labs and tests and tests. And, you know, I've talked a little bit with, I haven't really talked a lot about my, my daughter's case, what we've been dealing with, with her, with, with pandas. And, you know, now they're saying, cause we did run some tests just to kind of do some investigating and they're like, Oh, it's, um, Lyme and Bartonella and this, and this, and this, and all these different things that could be possibly, you know, causing her all the issues that she's having, and, but here we just want you to take this antibiotic for this month. And then after that, we'll do the parasite medicine for that month. And then after that, we'll do the antibiotic for this month. And so it's just like, is this, an, you know, at least they're acknowledging that she has an issue because the regular doctors are just like, send her to a psych ward and lock her away. That's all you can do. So at least we have people that are paying attention, but it's just like suppressing, suppressing. And you got to think like, if you just keep, and I see all, all these children that have these conditions like pandas and Lyme and all these other things. And I'm asking, I ask the parents, I'm like, are they get? is this doc? They're seeing this doctor. Are they getting better? Well, they do well, but then it comes back or something, or it's like some other condition comes out. And then it's like, so they're not getting into that hundred percent place. And so that's what kind of got me interested in homeopathy is like, okay, we have to actually dig deeper than just let's look at these labs and then just treat it with an antibiotic. So maybe we can talk a little bit about how homeopathy is like you kind of did with your sister, but it's totally a different way of looking at these sorts of things, right? It is. And especially in the natural medicine field, it's funny because when you see homeopathy come in these drops, like dreams. <laughs> We often think that they are much like naturopathics, you know, or essential oils or some sort of like that level of supplementation. Whereas in actual fact, homeopathy is most like acupuncture. Acupuncture, you're putting in the needles to stimulate the flow of energy around the body. Homeopathy, you're going to ingest it and it's going to light up the energetic systems of the body. And that's what causes the healing and the recalibration. On the scientific level, we know, and I mean, Einstein said this, Tesla said this, all of the great like physicists understand these concepts, but at the core of the human body, we are made up of energy. We are humming, vibrating energy. It's what makes up this world. And I saw there was even a post in an article in the Atlantic um, saying, you know, science finally agrees that we live in a vibrational universe and they're understanding, you know, what that sort of means. But on the human body level, what that means is that if you influence the energy of the body, you influence the way that tissues function, that matter forms, the way that the organs can operate. And so let's say, for example, in your daughter's case, and we're looking at, you know, the susceptibility, like with limes, with the strep, with all of these like viruses that are sort of taking hold, the homeopath wants to know why is the organism susceptible in the first place? Exactly. 
it's all well and good to acknowledge, yes, there's Epstein-Barr virus and all of these things that have added on, but we want to know why. And we want to strengthen her vital force so much to the point that she's not susceptible anymore. And it's when you do that strengthening from the inside out that she will remain robust, she will remain strong, and the symptoms do disappear because although you are working on the energetic sphere, that completely translates to the physical. So to give you one example of that, um, say with the herpes virus, and I mean, a lot of these viruses like to jump in together in a in a suppressed sort of organism, you know, they can all jump on board. So Epstein-Barr, all that. Um, I used to get cold sores. And so after my sister had this experience with the homeopath, right before I signed, you know, my degree over, I thought, right, okay, I've got to see you myself too. Let's see if you can do anything with me. And as far as I knew, perfectly robust, very healthy, um, didn't have any chronic complaints in my early 20s that I could really put, you know, paper to. I was like, yeah, I'm good. And um, But I'd say, oh, but I do get cold sores every now and again. And he's taking my case and la, la, la about my personality and um, gives me this remedy called sulfur. That night I go home and I've, I've taken my remedy at uni that day, thrown it in my bag, gone home, completely forgotten about it. Again, I'm so new to homeopathy. I don't know how it works or what to expect. That night I go to bed and I wake up in the morning with about seven cold sores on my lips. I have never had seven at a time. And I used to get them about once every two or three months. And it would be either from too much sun or stress with block exams or something like that. They would just randomly pop up and go. But one at a time, here I have seven and I've also got a massive head cold, like so congested. And because I'm so robust, it's striking to me, you know, like, whoa, I'm a bit sick. I still go to uni anyway. And I bump into that homeopath in the stairwell because he's like, oh, how are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm actually really sick. I can't even like, you know, really see the board properly. I'm going to go home. And he said, oh, great. The, the medicine's working. And I was like, oh, I said, do you think this is related? And I said, I've also got, look at these seven cold sores coming up. And he said, yeah, your body's expelling the virus out onto the surface. That's how it heals itself. You're detoxifying. So sulfur has a big affinity for stimulating the liver and spinning out. If you have suppressed over the years, and one thing that I had done was when I was 17, I took a round of Roaccutane, which you guys call Accutane. Mm -hmm. It's a skin and acne drug. Lord knows why I was allowed to take it. My skin was not even bad. I just wanted clear, beautiful, glowing skin. And so in that, it really flogs your liver. Mm -hmm. So I told the that in my consult. That's the only drug that like I've really taken. And so we took this sulfur, which has a big affinity for the skin and the liver. And so out onto the surface, just blast this detoxing, you know, action. And you know what the best thing is of that? He said, don't suppress those cold sores. Don't put anything on, no herbs, no nothing. Just let your body do what it's going to do. I have never had a cold sore on my lips since. And that was what, nearly 10 years ago, whereas I had gotten them consistently every couple of months. And so what that tells us about homeopathy is the potential of it to blast that viral load out onto the surface. And I see this all the time with my carcinosin patients who have that history of tonsillitis, recurrent tonsillitis. Then they get glandular fever or mono, you call it mononucleosis, um, and they get the chronic fatigue. And these are your classic patients who will have limes and you'll have these other presentations. But the homeopath also looks at the mental and the emotional aspects of these people because I guarantee you 90% of them have a very similar mental and emotional history, whether that is trauma in early childhood, the vagus nerve, you know, gets totally 
dysregulated and they are children who are sort of on eggshells or they can come from families where they are very high achievers and it's like go 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 and so what you find is that they tend to get the Epstein-Barr virus which floors them the chronic fatigue and it's almost like your body's saying come back in and slow down you need to rest you need to change things you need to have some boundaries so all of these symptoms that we're seeing to the homeopath point us towards the medicine that you need to strengthen your organism. But, you know, even to the naturopath, to the functional medicine doctors, they will often look at, no, the Epstein-Barr is the problem or this is the Mm -hmm. problem, it is the problem. They are not truly looking at you holistically from that root. And I would say the energy is the root. Yeah, it's so... The, the conversations on social media that I have with people and people I've put up a post and like, well, mold is the root cause and EBV is the root cause and all these viruses and things that I have are the root cause. And I, you know, the, what I talk about is mitochondrial health and being connected with light and water and, you know, the water network of the body, right? Kind of like what you talk about with the tissues. I talk a lot about about cellular water and 99% of our cells are encapsulated with water. And that's how our body is like this giant water bag and water is this electric thing and we can change kind of at the speed of light. And so I look at health very similarly. I feel like quantum physics and homeopathy are completely entwined. And that's kind of the, the, the viewpoint I have with health. And so when people are saying, I have all these things I'm like, well, if you live in a moldy place, please get out. You really need to not live in a mold infested place, but is everyone in your entire family sick or is it just you? And they're like, oh, it's just me. Everyone else is fine. Then there's a problem with the energetic capacity of your body. You know, that's, that is the root cause. It's not necessarily this. And I know this is going to trigger people that are listening <laughs> because I feel like we get very attached to our diagnoses and, um, you know, like you ask somebody, maybe they have something like fibromyalgia. Well, asking them about the emotional things that they've been through and the emotional components. And they say, well, people with fibromyalgia have X, Y, Z, right. And they kind of identify a lot of the stuff they're going through with the fibromyalgia. So it kind of becomes who they are. And what I love about homeopathy is that again, someone who has fibromyalgia might get a completely different remedy from someone else who has fibromyalgia or a diagnosis of that based on the questions that you ask them. Am I right in assuming that? Absolutely. And so say with fibro, it's a classic remedy for that is trauma within the body trying to express itself. Now, when you're case taking, you want to find out from the patient, is this trauma that you lived or is this possibly trauma that is actually coming down your family lines? If your parents or your grandparents were in a war um, or there was a lot of abuse in your family, a lot of alcoholism, maybe physical, sexual, whatever it is, fibro, classically, I would say 99% of my patients with fibro or even rheumatoid arthritis, these are big trauma remedies and is the body trying to seek an outlet for that suppressed pain. And it is, I mean, it's such a shame that some of us, you know, we get the cards that we're dealt at birth and we do inherit a lot of this energy, when they look at those studies with mice where they would expose the mice to the scent of a cherry blossom and then moments later they would electroshock them. They would expose them to the scent and then they would electroshock them. Pretty traumatic for these poor mice, but they would do that over and over. Then what they found is that in the offspring of those mice, 
when they simply smelt the cherry blossom, immediate frenzy as the parents had done who knew that the shock was coming. But what it shows is that the energetics, the fears, these are passed down. And I mean, DNA holds so much information and it is almost like this little, I would say it's like a little receiver, that DNA. And so DNA is very much able to be energetically modified. This is when we're talking about the epigenetic switches, flicking things on or off. And Bruce Lipton is really proving and, and all those scientists, it is the environment that dictates how those genes express themselves. So yes, we all are given a set, you know, of that, but you have massive power and potential to flick those genes on and off and your emotions, they are probably some of the biggest to flick on and off. And that's where this fine line is, right, in the world because the toxic exposures, they are real. But your emotions regarding those toxic exposures, this is why most of the husbands who are completely ignorant to the effects of mould, do you know what I mean? And they're robust and they can breathe it in and they're like, what? No. And truly their body is able, I mean, we are detoxing machines. Mm -hmm. We can handle quite a lot. But the women who are like... Is that, you know, and and everything's got to be perfect. These make up a large portion of the people who come into my clinic. And so it's really trying to balance how clean can we live whilst also maintaining that harmony in our body? Because if we think that we are constantly under threat, yes, well, our biology is going to respond in that the gene expression is going to mimic that. And so it is so important to take that into account. I agree. I, I feel like there's so much, and I talk a lot about circadian rhythms and again, being connected to the earth and some of the harms of non-native EMF and how that can dehydrate your cells and just issues like that, you know, just can, can ruin your body. But then I get clients and, and people who are just terrified if somebody, you know, like their husband flicks on an overhead light at 10 o'clock at night or, you know, um, right. Or, they're, oh, my circadian rhythm is totally ruined and it's going to mess up my hormones. I'm like, your body is smart. You can deal with like a, you know, a 20 second blast of a light at 10 o'clock at night, your body can turn back over and it's not going to ruin your entire rhythm. But what will ruin it is if you're sitting there ruminating over it for an hour, you know, worried that this little blast is going to cause some sort of harm to your body. And it's, you know, we do that so much now with toxins and I'm all for, you know, clean beauty care and getting the cleanest, purest things I can for my children and myself. I'm definitely an advocate for that, but there's like, there's a point it's like, where do you draw the line and say, how much is the, of the stress that I'm having over this is contributing to the issue that I'm having with my health. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a fun, and I think it's different for everybody. And I always say, you've got to find your perfect balance, do the best you can without stressing yourself out. But I find it so interesting, you know, with the sunlight and then even the water and the intelligence of that, the intelligence of the spectrum of light that comes down is going to permeate your cells. That is energy. And so I see a lot of people here without homeopathics. I mean, homeopathics is the catalyst. What I find so fascinating about homeopathy is that somebody can take a remedy which they think they are taking for a skin condition maybe it's eczema maybe it's psoriasis and when they take that and up comes all of this emotional baggage all of this grief and this absolute outpouring 
And they're like, I had no idea that those emotions were stifled under the surface of my energetic body. And when people do use homeopathy and they light up that vital force, that divine intelligence that runs through our cells, to see that come out is really proof that, you know, the energy that we hold and just the intelligence, you know, of the body in knowing how to heal. And so, yes, they outpour all this grief and then the skin starts to clear up and it's people need to realize the symptoms are not the enemy. The symptoms are very often the, they're the pointer towards where the issue is. And so even let's say with the chronic fatigue and the lines and the mold toxicity, I'd be looking at where in my life is not working for me right now? Have I been a pathological people pleaser? Have I been burning myself at work? you know, burning out for people where, you know, it's not necessary. This is where when people really address those issues, the body can flourish a lot more. But yeah, I think even just that awareness, I mean, the remedies do it ready or not, the remedies are going to stimulate your body. And if there is stuff under the surface, it's likely to come out because it's, that's the only way a lot of the times that your body can heal. We store so much in our cells. We are just so, so intelligent, but, um, that yeah, healing and surrender to the natural light, getting back into that natural rhythm and just honoring ourselves. I think that's one of the biggest steps to healing is honoring yourself, feeling safe in your own body. And that, you know, homeopathic medicine aside, many people can do that. And that is free. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say that, you know, swelling or inflammation, something going on in the body is not it's not a malfunction. It's a, it's your body actually trying to take care of something. Like if you stub your toe or you sprain your ankle, what's going to happen? It's going to swell up. And that's because blood is rushing to that area is trying to heal it. But we're so quick to, you know, a child gets a fever. We have to give them like Tylenol or some sort of a medicine to bring the fever down. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's scary because we've been taught, like if your child gets a fever, they could have seizures and they could, um, die, you know, like we're, we're, I think we're almost kind of scared into it. And so, um, people that are homeopaths get labeled as quacks and, you know, (laughs) don't listen to them that you're going to kill your children. So how do you kind of draw that confidence with people or help people kind of draw that fine line when it comes to, you know, do they need a medical attention or is a remedy helping? Like how, how do you draw that line with people? Yeah. So um, one thing before I launch into that, when we're talking about the return of old symptoms in homeopathy, something that's common is when you give the correct homeopathic remedy and you do light up that vital force, the body will often revisit previous symptoms or illnesses that the person has had that they have suppressed. So the body doesn't forget. So I'll give you a classic example we see in homeopathy. And that is the child who had eczema all over the skin, who suppressed it, whose parents, you know, put on the corticosteroid. Mm -hmm. It's really only the, the only option with mainstream medicine. They don't have much else to offer. So then you put that on and some kids, man, they're so uncomfortable with their eczema. It's like, I'll do anything to, you know, put them out. We need to sleep. It's completely understandable why people do it. So then you put that steroid cream on and the eczema goes away. 
what very often happens in the months following is that the child develops asthma. Asthma. Mm -hmm. And I mean, asthma is really just an extension of the skin. If you look at like our skin, it goes internally and right down, made up of the same epithelial cells, very similar correlation, but we have forced it inward. Now, when we are treating somebody homeopathically for chronic asthma, what happens? The eczema comes back out onto the skin. Like I haven't had this for 20 years. And it's like, yeah, but... As your asthma improves, it is going to spin that out onto the skin so that your body can resolve then the skin. The skin is the most peripheral organ. So that is the safest place. Even though as parents, we look at it, we're like, oh, it's so unsightly. You look so uncomfortable compared to asthma. Asthma is deadly. A lot of people die from asthma. Very few people are going to die from eczema, you know, save severe infection from it. But um, yeah, so it's like the hierarchy of symptoms. Now the body is so intelligent. It tries to express it the right way to get it out. And much of Western medicine and then even some naturopathic approaches, it is suppressing inward. And then in that hierarchy, we'll see it will go to the more important organs. And then your health really does start to get compromised and ultimately ends up mental and emotional faculties where people can have chronic depression and they have no idea that it is the result of their chronic suppression of the organism itself. You know, you didn't allow the fevers to run. You didn't allow the viruses. You didn't let the organism detoxify with the flu and recalibrate itself. And now it's so jammed up and overburdened and our mind starts to suffer. And you see this all the time that when people take homeopathic medicines and all these old symptoms start coming back and they're like, whoa, I feel so much lighter in my mind. I feel I haven't felt this way in so long. I feel free. Even though I'm covered in this rash, my organism is like expressing itself. So when, you know, we're talking about when should we, you know, suppress a fever, when should we suppress certain viruses and things like that? There's no doubt that there's a time and a place for medicine, but it's not probably what Western medicine is saying. And so it's in our understanding of what the body is actually trying to do with the fever. Of course, it's trying to burn up. It's trying to burn off the pathogens. It's a very protective mechanism. That is the immune response. So we have the virus stimulating the body. Our immune response is the fever. So I always like to tell parents, you should celebrate a fever. Yes, my child is robust enough to run a fever. Some children are very immunocompromised to the point where they can't run a fever anymore. And you'll find a lot of adults, you know, if you look at a kid, a lot of them, I mean, I've got three boys under five and it's like they (laughs) they run a fever. They can have, whoa, they're like really out of it. And then five hours later, they're outside running around on the trampoline and they're like, whoa, it's, it's, they break a fever and they're good. Whereas a lot of adults, you know, we get a fever and it's like, oh, in bed, you know, like, oh, I feel miserable. Kids have a very robust vital force. They're strong and they respond to homeopathy really well. It's the adults who are chronically suppressed. You know, we've built up a lifetime of suppression and toxicity. We don't respond as well. So that's why we're a little bit more miserable. But I would say the more that you can support your child through their immune, you know, like whenever their body does get through those stressful phases, which do come. And certainly when my kids run a fever, I'm not like, just like, yeah, cool. You know what? I've got to bed. I actually keep a close eye on them. I like to make sure, yep, you're all good. Give them a little, you know, run down. but I do not run even for my homeopathic first aid kit. A lot of parents, you know, are still trained in that 
where's my belladonna? Where's my aconite? You know, my child's got a fever. I need to give them the homeopathic medicine for it. I am so hands-off unless it looks like they actually need a helping hand to get through this. If if there's anything that seems like, oh, your body's not actually shaking this. But, you know, as for a cough, what is a cough? A cough is a spasmodic reflex to try and get crap and debris up out of the lungs. If you're going to give your child a cough syrup, what are you doing? Yes, you're going to disengage that reflex, but you're then leaving the potential for toxins to fester in the, the lungs. That overall is not good. It's best off often just to let the body do what it's doing. If you get food poisoning, uh, your body is going to try and get that out. We don't need to run for, you know, medications to sort of stop the vomiting and the diarrhea. We want to let the body get that out. And the same goes for a homeopathic response. The thing about homeopathy, which is very different, of course, to Western medicine and even naturopathic approaches, is that when you take that a stimulus, let's say with gastro, one of our biggest remedies is called arsenicum album, and it's a fantastic remedy. When they take that, the kids who are really miserable with gastro, often you'll find a couple of minutes later, they have this power chuck. You know, they're just like, whoa. And the parents are like, whoa, it was like everywhere. But they, it's like you have strengthened the organism enough internally that it's like, right, I'm going to get this all out right now. And then the kids are fine after they're like, well, that's it. And then they go back to sleep, don't wake up the next morning, they're fine. So they're the different approaches, you know, and you want to strengthen the organism to carry out what it needs to. You don't want to suppress it unless it's a life-saving emergency, in which case a drug is going to be perfect to save a life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we, like you said, there's, there's a time and a place for that to save a life, but a lot of childhood illnesses, a lot of things, it's like, let's suppress, suppress, suppress. Like I did not know any better with my daughter 15 years ago. I was just so like believing in everything the medical community told me and just like, I'll just take it for word. I'm busy. I'm a mom. Like I'm young. Let me just do what they say. And they had, I'd even heard give her Tylenol before her vaccines, which Mm. is literally the worst thing that you could possibly do. And I think that could have contributed to her ultimately getting injured um, and having a severe regression after a round of shots. And, uh, you know, then it's just like compounded on itself. And so, yeah, I and then I did I didn't question anything until she totally regressed. And I was like, wait, she was talking and everything was fine and she was normal. But after the shots, like she hasn't haven't heard her talking or inter- interacting. It's so strange. Um, you know, and I didn't find homeopathy until now she's 15. So we've had years of like chronic ear infections. And it's just like, when you yeah. kind of understand homeopathy and how like there's just something is always trying to come out, like an illness is not necessarily like a a time where we need to just be throwing the book at these kids. Sometimes we need to let a, a natural cold or fever or something actually happen because the body's trying to get rid of something. It's not stupid. It's intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, how many... Now I see it with her and I have a son, I'm kind of starting all over again and trying to do everything different with him. But most people are just so ingrained. And like you said, even with homeopathy, they're like, what can I get? You know, what can I give her for a fever? How can I help them get through this? Yeah. And what we want is robust children who can get through things largely on their own without 
anything. I hope you're enjoying today's episode with Melissa and I. Again, as a reminder, all of her courses are linked in the show notes and you can use my code Sarah10 to save on any of those. If you're an everyday person, a mom, a grandmother who wants to help their family heal or a grandfather or a father wants to help their family heal in a more holistic manner. These courses are absolutely fantastic. And again, code Sarah10. If you are enjoying the episode, again, please share it with a friend, family member, put it in a Facebook group, give us a like here on YouTube and leave us a comment. And my courses, as always, you can save 10% on those by using the code podcast. If you're looking to dive deeper into your circadian health and looking at your health from a different lens. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and let's jump back into it. And when we continue to put chemicals in the bloodstream to try and do the job of the immune system, what happens to those children when they then birth more children? It's their immune system is compromised. You know, it's getting an exogenous source to try and do a job that it used to do itself. And then the issue is compiled in the future generations. And I think we are definitely at a point right now with the amount of children with chronic health issues it's not necessarily what we as parents have been giving them in the interventions that we've been doing. It's what was done to us. Mm-hmm. It's what happened in those generations previous because really big pharma has really come into play. You know, these last couple of generations, it's now that the evidence is there that something, it's like this blaring lights of like something is very wrong. And what's so stressful for so many parents is, they're trying to do everything right. And yet the kids are still sick. And for me, it's like educating people that like, it's not what you're doing. We need to turn around this whole system and tick, you know, back to being on track, being holistic, because it's one thing, you know, for some, some, let's say some of your health influences, and maybe they were raised super holistically. They just happen to have parents way back who were super switched on. So they are really robust. Then like, they're like birthing at home and having these wonderful, you know, and and their kids have never needed one thing ever. And it's, it's awesome, but you've got the people where the kids are already compromised, their immune system and the energy that they've inherited is already distorted to us to an extent. And so what we need to do then is get back on track so that we can, you know, um, intervene a lot less because, yeah, for the people whose children have these recurrent serious infections, oh, can you imagine? Like talk about rock in a hard place. They're aware yeah. of all of the like disastrous impacts of doing X, Y, Z, and yet what am I meant to do here? So stressful. Then you tell them, hey, the emotional root of this is also playing in. It's like, oh, my goodness. So we want to strengthen everyone. We want to work with so much grace with ourselves, with our kids, and really, yeah, just stepping into that and knowing that, the work that we are doing right now, even if we are not seeing the fruits of it, it will be these future generations who are going to see the fruits of us living less toxic lives and and less intervention and letting them get strong immune systems again, because they have been so tinkered with that, you know, they sort of say with this um, over-sterilized generation, mm-hmm. systems can't handle crap. No, they can't. It's, it's terrible. And I have, you know, my sisters, they have children that they've kind of done everything to, and they just decided to do that. And I feel like they're sick all the time. I mean, my sister 
at one point, and I love them dearly, like I really do. They just have, we have very different views on how we want to raise our children. That's fine. But their kids are always sick to the point where my sister um, almost lost her job last year because the baby was sick and the five-year-old was sick. And it's just like back and forth having to be out with them. They couldn't go to to school or daycare. And it's like, you Mm -hmm. know, what can you do? And how, like, she's like, how are they always sick all the time? And I'm just sitting there like, ah, so hard not to to say, well, (laughs) you kind of sterilized them and medicated them out of the womb. And then we also knowing from my own experience with my son doing everything perfectly. And then he still got eczema and I'm like, how is that even humanly possible? And then understanding like this generational thing that gets, it can be handed down to the babies as well. Right. I think the generational stuff right now. So a lot of my work in the last five years has been in the sphere of fertility and what we are seeing right now in regards to just the fertility is plummeting. Terrible. Oh yeah. Terrible. Is almost like the generational impact right now. Homeopathically, the best thing that I can do for these women is recalibrate all of that generational energy that they have inherited. So it's these, the miasmatic remedies, your cipollinum, your carcinosin, your tuberculinum, your metarinum, serinum. These are massive and the impacts that it is having on these people. And it's, as we were saying about the mice inheriting, you know, the same fears and phobias, you also inherit the physical and the genetic susceptibilities. Now I would call them more energetic susceptibilities. When you look at the moment of conception, you've got a sperm, it reaches the egg. What do we see under the microscope? A blast of light called the zinc spark. And it's like, it is energy. We are at our core energy and it is a divine energy blueprint that goes forward to grow your baby. And it knows how to knit together the eyeballs, the spinal cord, little ear canals like it is so intelligent with no conscious effort for the mother and it is constantly trying to make the healthiest most sort of well-balanced baby and that force never leaves us you know when we're born it is always with us you get a cut the body knows exactly what to do to try and heal you mentally and emotionally it also knows what to do to try and heal you but when we constantly suppress and stifle every expression of this beautiful divine force this is where we run into more chronic disease but the children who are being born already super allergic i mean we've got babies who are anaphylactic from birth when parents intervene and so what that is is the energetic blueprint that they have inherited was already off kilter so then we need to homeopathically get them back into alignment as much as is physically possible and you will see the allergic nature decreases you know the children are strengthened from the inside out that energetic force completely changes you know how they go forward so it's 100 something that people need to be aware of it's not necessarily something that you are doing up to four generations of those mice when they smelt the cherry blossom they were still having ptsd and we know this even from the wars you know in germany they were wondering why the holocaust survivors why were their great-grandchildren being born with PTSD? They had never lived anything horrific in their life, nothing traumatic, yet severe OCD, trauma, all of those manifestations. And so it is this generational inheritance and DNA just carries so much information. So, yeah, yeah I would be considering that. And the, the French homeopaths are doing fantastic work at the moment. And what they're saying is 
when you treat a woman prior to conception with these miasmatic remedies and you are altering her energetic field and they're cycling through the different remedies just to clear any layers that could possibly exist, clear, clear, clear. They believe that within three to four generations, if we focused on every preconception mother and mother when she was pregnant, that we would have a whole new level of health, a whole new standard for our children because we would clear out so much of that garbage that we don't want to carry forward and perpetuate. Wow. So that people Yeah, watch. it's I often think like about both of my kids because my husband's grandparents hopped the fence to get out of the Holocaust. They fled to the United States. Like they were being they hopped over fences. They were being chased down to basically go and be part of, you know, the biggest genocide of that one of our time. And it's like, wow, I wonder how that has impacted my husband and now our kids. And then I think about my mother growing up like super poor on this farm and like, you know, just all the stuff that she went through. Like there's a lot of stuff she's told me now that as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's horrific that you witnessed that, that you saw that. And it's like, how does that impact my kids, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And most people are thinking, oh, that's too woo. That's just, you know, mumbo jumbo, just give me the medication, give me the pill, whatever I'd rather, you know, but I feel like we have to come to this point where we're willing to look at these things because people are not getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, like I and said, the, the kids with the pandas are not getting better with these medications, the people with these viruses, with EBV and fibromyalgia, and people are really sick. And I'm just always on this quest to kind of dig to that next layer for people. Yeah. And the kids, the complex kids, things like pandas, the homeopathics is so incredible. So they can do a strep clear protocol, um, but there is often an element too, and I know I put a post up about it on Instagram and got flooded with messages from parents of pandas children. And it was so interesting that at the moment that the child started to develop the panda symptoms for them, it was often post a big grief, whether it was like moving schools or something, or on the flip side, when they were doing the clear with the remedies, whether it was strep, ignatia. So some of the big ones for the pandas kids, strep, ignatia, sulfur, carcinosin, these would be king players. Um, the children are explaining to the parents for the first time, like I'm sad or like the feelings that they're feeling. And so, so much of like what gets pent up in pandas is like in the OCD and the separation, it, it is definitely, I would say, an inherited tendency through that compiled by the use of antibiotics and where the body can, um, you know, get out of balance. But just fascinating what comes up when you are using the homeopathics to clear these layers. Um, and another one, I'm not sure if you've read the book Impossible Cure by Amy mm -hmm. Lansky. I haven't. She's a NASA researcher and her child um, was vaccine injured and um, she, you know, went down everything. She's like, I am going to find something for my son. She's obviously a very good researcher. She's got a PhD and she's, uh, in the end, she found a homeopath. She details in that book exactly what happened. And through the use of carcinosin, her son's diagnosis was completely removed. And many children, this is their story. It depends on the extent of the damage, but her son was definitely autistic and the homeopathic carcinosin, every time she dosed her and her husband, they did their own little tests to see, could this possibly be 
explained by any other means, but it is the frequency of the medicine can light up and the body can detox itself, you know, with, you know, when we're talking about the mitochondria and the way that our cells communicate with each other, you imagine if you are stimulating the body with that vital energy and they ramp up the effects that can happen as a result of that, the better detox effects, you know, so maybe more heavy metals and more junk is, and this is why the inflammation in the brain can be reduced. Um, but homeopathy works quite quickly. So the parents of children, and in regards to when it is vaccine damage, we can also do this other aspect, which is called isopathy, where you are using the homeopathic version of the specific vaccine. So let's say MMR, DTAP, if you know which one it was that caused the severe reaction, you would give the homeopathic version of that. Now, what happens when your vital force is re-exposed to the energy of the original assault? big things happen, you know, yeah. brain inflammation can go down. And I have parents who, whose children are nonverbal and uh, they email me and they are in absolute shock about like what happens following because they know as parents, we know our children so well, we know what they're capable of. And they will say, they are saying this, they're doing this, they're looking at me. And it, it just confirms to me homeopathically that when you do assault the immune system in any way, even when the intentions are good to get that, you know, immunity, it can cause the inflammation in the brain. And we need to lower that as much as possible for our children. Um, and yeah, so yeah, homeopathics is extremely powerful in that regard. Yeah, it is. And one thing I wanted to ask, because I've heard this and, and I see people who are like, I'm a naturopathic doctor, but I also use homeopathy in my practice. And I'll kind of see them mixing things like there was um, before I started doing homeopathy for my son, I joined this um, physician group like that if they were treating kids with eczema and they were like, use a steroid cream, but you can also use graffitis and um, you can use the steroid cream, but you can also, you know, they're throwing in homeopathic remedies and I, it was kind of like willy nilly. I'm like, Mm. I just don't know. I, this is kind of a red flag. I don't think that they're doing this the right way. <laughs> so if you're trying to treat a child that maybe has eczema and you're doing steroid cream at the same time, isn't that going to kind of answer, like kind of wipe out the remedy? Yeah. So Hippocrates, you know, father of modern medicine, he said 500 BC, he said, we can either treat by the law of opposites or the law of similars. Now, Western medicine adopted the law of opposites. You know, you've got something expressing, suppress it, you know, cut it off. You've got a fever, stop it, opposites, and they impose in every way. That we call antipathy. Whereas the homeopaths, we went with the law of similars. We treat with the like-minded remedy. And by acting in sympathy with the body, we are curing in that sense. So we starkly contradict each other in what we're trying to do. The homeopath is trying to trigger that, um, you know, hierarchy of symptoms, that law of cure and express outweighs. The other way is forcing inward. So I can understand definitely in extreme cases, um, if you were trying to use something slightly suppressive just while you get the body so strengthened that it overcomes it, but largely, I would say you're you're literally doing two conflicting, you know, things right now. So 
But the level of education of a homeopath is very important because, say, in Australia, we do homeopathic electives in, like, naturopathic degrees, and there's no regulation over how much education. And then even amongst homeopaths who have spent a couple of years studying, it's very different to who really sees and treats this and knows what they're talking about. We have so many homeopathic remedies And in my opinion, no offense to my dad, but like to be a GP, to be a Western medical doctor, you are looking at, right, you've got this infection, it's this antibiotic. There's not Mm -hmm. much thought that goes into it. With homeopathy, it is an absolute art at trying to figure out where did your vital force get thrown off? Is it generational? Is it here? You're really looking for the personality of the person and trying to understand what are the emotions that underline, you know, your driving forces and your motivations in life? That is very difficult information to ascertain and then match up with the correct remedy compared to an antibiotic or a steroid cream. I mean, that is, anybody could do that. And these days they've got computers. They just punch in some symptoms. It's, the prescription's done. It's robotic. Whereas homeopathy, it's a real art. And sometimes you will have to cycle through remedies until you find that one because it's in that very correct remedy prescription that you see the body light up the viral load is dumped that detox response is triggered and yeah it's very it's a fine art and so I always encourage people you know have faith in your homeopath and and check out you know their history first you know you don't book in with anybody make sure that they know what they're talking about but also have patience for the treatment process because they're trying to figure you out at the same time. And sometimes that does take time. Yeah. I was so super frustrated with my homeopathy person. She's like, okay, well, what was her emotions like around this? And what's her appetite like? And she's just asking me all this stuff. So I'm like, well, this is what's happening right now. This is what she's doing. She's like, I know, I know. But she's to ask me all these questions. And I'm like, I am not understanding why she's asking me about this emotion and that appetite and that is her, you know, is she throwing with my son? Is he throwing toys? Is he doing this? Is his head sweaty? Is that how I'm like, he just has a rash. Like we need to fix it. And she's like, but it's not like Western medicine where you said like, okay, you have this infection. So we treat it with that antibiotic. One child with eczema could be treated completely differently than another child with eczema because the reason why they're presenting that rash, it's like a, a wastebasket term. The reason why they actually have that is completely different, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Literally, if you look in our Materia Medica, there would be, I think, 400 homeopathic medicines listed under eczema or something like that. You look at anxiety, you're going to find about four or 500 medicines. Now, the art of homeopathy and where the practitioner needs to be really, really discerning is in finding out those little things about you. And you'll, when you find out something about someone, you know, sometimes they'll just say it. It's like an off thing that they don't think is important at all. Like, example, I was treating somebody with severe OCD, um, just to teach us severe OCD, tics, compulsions. Um, and it was really overriding. And then, you know, she said she had a pan attack about something at work, but it was really silly. And I said, would you mind, you know, telling me, even though it seems really silly and irrational, maybe it's important. She told me, and, um, it has become this severe fear of any pointy objects like pins or needles. And she said, I have this severe fear that I'm just going to swallow one because I dropped one, um, at school. And I don't know if it went in my drink bottle, but since then I like can hardly leave the house. I'm scared of swallowing a pin. Now to (laughs) the medical doctor, they're going to say, you need to go on some serious medication because you're psychotic. 
to the homeopathic hole, I said, brilliant. I know exactly what you need. And it's a homeopathic medicine called silica. And, you know, you look at the other symptoms about her. Yes, she fits a silica patient completely resolved. Now that is somebody who's been a lifelong customer to pharma to try and get this, you know, severe anxiety under control. But it is that her energy was completely thrown out and we just need to tap it back in and then she is fine. And this happens, I mean, my goodness, could I tell you stories about the little things that people tell me that indicate the remedy. And it is so, so brilliant as a homeopath to see that pattern and you see the physicals match the mental and emotionals. A lot of people have got this severe health anxiety, fear of death, you know, and they've got the gastro type symptoms with it because they are so anxious. Of course, the vagal tones off their body is just like diarrhea, diarrhea, and all of these um, sensitivities because they're so anxious. But um, you know, oftentimes it's arsenicum album or arginit and they are completely new people. It's so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. And it's not like, like we said, it's not like a medication. It's actually helping the body do what it was meant to do. Like our bodies are so wise and innately smart, but we don't trust, like we don't trust the wisdom of the body. We just think, I need something outside of myself to fix this. And I think how often do you see that mindset kind of getting in the way for people or do you see it? And, you know, I definitely, and the other aspect of it that I wish people truly understood is that when they have things like addictions and they're trying to numb out their anxieties and, you know, whether that's food, of course, a lot of people are addicted to food because it's slightly numbing and, Mm -hmm alcohol as well, drugs, even people who have an addiction to their work and going to the gym, you know, these people who, if you, they don't go to the gym, it throws out their whole day. And it's like, that's not normal. Do you know what I mean? It's not that normal to be that dependent on that release of endorphins, you know, to be able to cope with your life, but we've all got these little coping mechanisms. But what I would say to people is that is just an expression of your imbalance that's not you. You don't have to be, um, you know, a super angry, all of this. That's just an expression of your imbalance. You, the person, when your spirit is recalibrated, you'll be relaxed and you'll be your true self again. But a lot of people are going around and they're identifying with the behaviors and that keeps them locked in it. And especially when there's an element of shame around the things that they're doing, whether it's drugs, alcohol, all that, it really keeps them powerless to understanding what is the driving force behind this. Why am I actually drinking? If I'm an alcoholic, what is that? Now, this can be definitely inherited through the syphilitic miasm, extremely common. Um, But even that deep, dark depression, you know, that people feel their whole life. There are a lot of people who will say they have had that black cloud over them their whole life. And they, they actually don't know why they grew up in a nice family. Parents loved them. They just think it's them. It is Mm -hmm. not the person, your spirit and your energy is off and you can recalibrate it. It's not a life sentence, but because nobody was taught this, mainstream medicine doesn't teach it. We're not taught it in schools. It's the most fundamental information to understand how your body and how your mind operates. And because we are vibrational beings, this is not only your health and your mental state. We are talking about what you attract into your life in terms of the sorts of relationships that you have, the sorts of friendships that you bring in, your work experience. This is your whole life. You are at the very center of it. And it is a vibrational frequency that emanates out from your body, which does dictate a lot of what comes into our life. There's definitely the overarching 
will of God of, you know, what is, what am I here to learn? You know, we're all here to learn things and challenging things are going to come for all of us. But I have seen people completely alter the trajectory of their life by altering their own internal vibration. And then the relationship just walks right in or the job opportunity. And it's because they were stuck in this little loop. Then they were set free. The addictions are set free and they can be wholly and truly who they are. And I love, I love seeing that whole transformation. Beautiful. Yeah. I feel like it allows you to kind of move more into alignment for what was meant for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like we could (laughs) keep talking about so many different topics. I mean, it's just, I just want to open people up to the the possibility of this. Um, What would you really say to somebody who's super skeptical, like you were with your sister? I mean, is it something you kind of have to see to believe or is there, what would you say? I would say, I mean, definitely seeing is believing. I've got a lot of my, the males in my fertility protocol. So it's like the women follow me on Instagram. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They book the appointment. So the men have to come in and um, they're like answering all these questions. And it's when they get their remedy and they're like, what the heck? So with homeopathy, you do not need to believe in it for it to be very effective. We treat children, you know, so young that they have no idea that they're taking these drops under the tongue for anything. So definitely experiencing it is one thing, but I would say even dig into the history of homeopathy. When you realize how many medical doctors in the past have used homeopathy and who currently. So in France, if you want to be a homeopath, you must be a medical doctor first. So 90% of French medical doctors prescribe homeopathy. And the reason that the statistics are so high there is because their number one cold and flu medication is called oscillococcinum. It's homeopathic. So in Australia, in the US, if you were to go to a pharmacy or go to the doctor and say, I'm sick, they're going to give you a, a drug, a pharmaceutical for your cold and flu. In France, you straight up get the homeopathics. So in regards to efficacy, I mean, you can start small if you just want to see the physical improvements. And and the first aid kits in the home is something that people use. Obviously, I sell them and people love them. They tell us, I was able to avoid my children getting like, they started getting tonsillitis and then we started with this and it completely went away. So seeing is believing, you know, the more you use it. But when you understand the science behind it and you dig into the history, I think it's much easier to understand why you haven't heard of it you know we were just so conditioned from the moment of birth to go the western route but we're seeing a massive resurgence of homeopathy I've I have never been I could never have believed I would be as busy as I am with people because it's been the last couple of years a lot of people are really awakening to I want to actually be healthy I want to actually be strong so that when these viruses do come through I'm resilient enough to withstand it because our bodies do need to be strong you know and with, there will always be a time for medicine so yeah that that would be my recommendation anyway research it and try it yourself Yeah. I mean, you said we had all these hospital homeopathy hospitals in the United States. That's not in existence any longer that what happened, everything got wiped out. So so really what happened is uh, Rockefeller realized in the the early 1900s that they could use petrochemical drugs. And obviously that's very profitable. Now, JD Rockefeller, hilariously enough, you know, people say he's the father of modern medicine. He really got it going. He had three private homeopaths for himself and for his family. So while he went around to these universities like Boston University and he's saying, 
I'll give you millions to teach my medical, you know, curriculum, but on one condition, you can no longer teach homeopathy here because back then the homeopaths were elite. They were not, you know, educated in little colleges. They were studying at Yale. They were studying at Boston University. These were the medical doctors who switched to homeopathy. So in the US, you know, you guys have your memorials in DC. There is only one medical physician who has a statue there, and that is the founder of homeopathy. And so he was a medical doctor. Then he found homeopathic medicine more effective, so he switched, and he took with him a whole band of doctors who realized this is a far better way to treat disease within the body. So it really has been, you know, opposition, war. So the hospitals inevitably have to be shut down. If you can no longer teach homeopathy in these universities, well, the homeopaths slowly start to die out. And hilariously in the US, they brought out a law. So, you know, the AMA, the American Medical Mm -hmm. Association, they only formed the AMA in response to the massive association that the homeopaths had already formed. So homeopathy is huge at this point. Then the medicos say, right, we need a rival. Let's start the AMA. So then they said, if you want to be a medical doctor, if you want to treat in any capacity in the medical sphere, you cannot use homeopathy, but you cannot consult with, you cannot talk to the homeopaths. It was that serious. So if you look that up, it was an actual law that they brought in and people were stripped of their license if they tried to do both or if they were found consulting with a homeopath, which many people did have their medical license revoked. So it was very serious. And that's why when people ask, if you're saying all this stuff about homeopathy, how could I never have heard of it? This is why. It is stark suppression. And I'm not sure if you saw Western A Price has been posting a little bit about it, but um, the FDA has been sort of going after yes. homeopathy in the US and they're saying people should have less access to it. If people have less access to homeopathy, they lose customers for life because homeopathy is curative um, for many of the conditions for which people would pay a lot of money to continue treatment for. So it's very political, unfortunately. It is. It is. And like I said, people are so quick to just dismiss things and say, oh, she's a quack. Like it's, you know, it's snake oil. And it's like, actually, no, there. And I think it was you that posted, and maybe it was something that Weston A. Price had posted on their page um, or a podcast of just like all these different conditions that had been treated by homeopathy. And then like the rate of success that they actually saw with homeopathy versus Western medicine. Was that, that was you or was it? Yes. So that was a Weston A. Price published article and they're looking at all of the mortality statistics. So say we've got the hundred homeopathic hospitals there when scarlet fever is wiping through the U S and when we had cholera, um, all of the, you know, Spanish flu, which back then, you know, they're trying to treat. Now you can compare the statistics for how many people died at the homeopathic hospital versus how many people died at the allopathic hospitals, you know, and it's it's clear really what was more superior. Now, bear in mind that medicine back then, they did not have the level of antibiotics and the treatments that they had back then. But even so, the homeopathics was so effective um, and that's all documented. So using homeopathy for severely infectious disease as a prophylactic to try and prevent yourself getting sick, that's where homeopathy really started to get very famous. So 
even back then, you know, the homeopath would move into a new neighborhood and people would be a bit like, oh, what's this guy about? You know, because they don't know anything about it. Then all of a sudden, you know, scarlet fever is coming through and you find they realize very quickly what is effective and what's not because some people are dying and some people aren't. And this is where the lines outside the homeopath's house circle around the box and people are waiting desperate to get their hands on some of this belladonna or whatever they're prescribing. And that was, you know, that was really documented. So we have all of that. Um, and to this day, homeoprophylaxis continues in Cuba. Their government supports it in India. Their government supports it. They use it for the people. Um, they delivered it door to door in a lot of places during COVID to prevent serious infection and harm. And so, you know, the Western medical model is never going to give us that level of support. It's something that we need to seek out ourselves. But through education, many people, and I mean, we are really creating a movement right now. I have, I think we are about to enter the great resurgence of homeopathy where it's been suppressed for so long, but we finally completed the cycle where we have seen, okay, what are antibiotics capable of? What are the steroids capable of? What are all of these drugs capable of? Okay. We can see the benefits, but we can also see the risks and the damage associated. Is there a better way? And in yep. comes homeopathy to balance out. And we can use both alongside each other to benefit the people. It's that we need to take out, you know, the overarching people who stop the spread of information, unfortunately. But parents are doing an incredible job these days of bringing others into this knowledge. They share it on Instagram, you know. they yeah. it's, it's massive. We're running courses at the moment in training people and it is like this domino effect rippling out and people are just mind blown. They are loving it. I'm so excited. And, um, so yeah, you do have courses that people can take and I'll make, make sure that those are linked down in the show notes on YouTube and also on the audio only podcast. If people want to check those out, then maybe you can talk about those just a little bit. Yeah. So it's really just teaching parents about firstly, what is homeopathy? We get into the science of it so they can fundamentally understand this is medicine and this is something that you can trust, you know, to use with your family. Then we go through a few different things. So we look at first aid in the home, all of the conditions that parents can treat at home. You know what happens when parents remember that they are the biggest healers of their home, that outsourcing all of that power is not the best way. We then have a ripple effect. If you raise your children on home, I've raised my children on homeopathy. It's all they've ever needed. They will grow up with this understanding of what medicine does what. And this is where we see the real flow of information down to future generations. And we start to really shift that tide on health. So we teach parents all of that. We look at using homeopathy in cases of infectious diseases and epidemics um, and all of the data behind that. Um, and we also look at more of, it's sort of a, a little hone in on classical homeopathy where you are taking into account the whole person. And we're going to look at some of those patterns of disease that we were talking about, you know, where, um, you know, say the carcinosin woman who's super susceptible to Lyme's disease and mold toxicity and how to strengthen that and all of the mental and emotional aspects that tend to go in there. So we do a bit of a spotlight on 20 of those remedies and, yeah, just really equipping people to understand how to let the body express itself safely and what you can do when the symptoms are really uncomfortable and... Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, the vibrational aspects of life around what we are attracting in, whether that be disease or, you know, mental and emotional things and how we can sort of transmute that and just elevate ourselves as individuals 
and thus our families, because say as a parent and especially as a mother, if you heal yourself and you're sitting at a place of real inner contentment where the world can go around and around you and you can see the stresses and the threats, but it's not really having a profound effect on you, you are much stronger in being able to care for your family and positively influence them and their genetic inheritance and their energetic inheritance, you are profoundly connected to the family. You know, you hear people saying that, what do they say? The mother or the parents are sort of like the root of the whole family's nervous system. A Mm -hmm. lot of that is true. So well calibrated parents are in a much better position to help their children become well calibrated. So very powerful, but yeah, that's the sort of stuff we'll be going over. That sounds amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to make sure that's linked down in the show notes and you're on Instagram. I'll put your links on there. How else can people find you if they want to follow you? So going to our website, www.rmdycollective.com, we have some practitioners there. Oftentimes, whenever I do a podcast, it's just wrong. Who can I book in? Where can I go? And we've got two practitioners there um, in the team who are taking on patients as well. And they are absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, in Instagram is probably where I do the most informing, you know, sort of information in there. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure I link that and thank you so much. This has just been so wonderful. And I I'm super excited to share this with my audience. Awesome. Thank you so much. Sarah. such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Melissa. And if you did, make sure to head down to the show notes to follow her. You can use my code Sarah10 to save on any of her courses. I know I'm going to be diving into those. So much great information in this episode. Again, I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, head on over to Apple or Spotify. Leave us up to a five-star review. It will help to get the show out to more people to get this information out to more people who can be helped. Thanks again to Viva Rays. Use my code yogi to save there and then upgraded formulas code yogi 12 or yogi to save on any of their mineral supplements have a fantastic rest of your day and i look forward to talking with you again next week